Hey everybody, get ready for a new case on criminal motives behind the crime scene tape. My name is Jay and I co-host this podcast with my dad. My dad and I have both worked in law enforcement and we also specialize in security. Join us as we dive into some of these real life cases and find out what actually happens behind the scenes and what most people don't get to hear about. It's going to be a good one, so let's jump right in. Hey everybody, welcome back and uh, get ready for a good uh, new case today on Criminal Motive behind the crime scene tape. We've uh, got one we think you're going to enjoy, has a little bit of fun in it, and um, stay tuned for it. I'm uh, excited to hear about this case and I'm actually once again in another place where I'm not normally at. So <laughs> this is uh, going to be fun. But the good thing about podcasting is you can kind of just do it on the go and not have to worry about it. So we're just going to roll with it. I probably wake up thinking I'm in a place I don't know where I'm at half the time. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, we got the no-tell motel case today. Um, no-tell motel. No-tell motel. That's an old-fashioned term. Showing my age once again. That's right. 32. Um yeah only a couple years older than me <laughs> absolutely uh i color this here to make it look distinguished so that's the day yeah, yeah yeah all right so we um we've got complaints about prostitution going on at a local roadside motel and uh you've seen the type they're one story they might have 20 rooms pretty run down kind of thing um off the uh, main highway or an interstate so forth and uh, we looked into it. We wanted to look into it. Um, it was actually, you know, there are times when cases are going everywhere and they're, everybody's busy or they're on vacation. So you're covering for here and there and everything. Um, this was a particular time of um, the year that things are kind of quiet, uh, not a lot going on. Um, this is one of those deals where we just kind of look into it and we kind of, pull together some people, look at the feasibility of, of this case and how we wanted to approach it, how, what kind of case did we want to use, um, what kind of investigation. Do we just want to set up some undercover operations and pop the guy for prostitution, or how far did we want to go? Uh, we had to do some intel on the owner, see what kind of person we were dealing with, if there had been previous complaints on him, and then what kind of manpower would it take for the kind of case that we wanted to do that kind of dictates whether you can do it or not. Like I said, is, are people on vacation? Is there enough manpower around? Can we borrow manpower? That kind of thing. And then the risk versus reward. You know, uh, police work is a business. And while we're not out to make money, we certainly can't just be wasting time when there are more pressing matters going on in the world today. Sure. You know, you kind of got to gauge all these things together and a good ops meeting uh, would let us know uh, what we needed to do. With all the things that we discussed and um, the availability of people and 
our surrounding cities that we usually call on for help. Uh, we're kind of in the same mode we were. It was just kind of an easygoing, laid-back summer day. And, um, you know, we had a lot of participation. We had a lot of people that could help us. So we decided to go full-on with a unit undercover type investigation using a uh, undercover as a prostitute. We uh, assigned um, undercover officers to act as John for customers for the prostitute. And um, we thought, well, our first option is let's just um, put our undercover female operation out on the highway and see if this guy the owner of the hotel would approach, find out what's going on. And if that didn't work, if we you know, spent a couple of days doing what we need to do and, and uh, never heard from them, we checked with our attorney of record and decided that it'd be okay if we went up there and simply asked to rent a room by the hour, which most people reasonable people would understand I'm renting a room by the hour that I'm doing more than just spending the night on my vacation. So um, we would leave that up to the forces that be to see if anything opened up that we could pursue the investigation in. Nice. As, yeah. As it turned out, put our undercover out on the highway. We didn't have to wait, you know, 10 minutes. He came running out there. We thought be ready. He may try to run her off. But being the upstanding citizen that he was, he did not try to run her off. He offered, he said, I got a place if you need a place. Instead of jumping in these people's vehicles, that's much more dangerous. Why don't we work out a deal? So, okay, there uh, you go. Yeah, fell into our lap pretty easily. And I knew the guy, I knew the owner. I hadn't kept up with him recently. Um, so when we pulled the intel on him, I realized nothing had changed. I kind of thought maybe he might be an easy mark, but I really didn't know. Um, experience changes people. Prior criminal activity can change people. But this guy was great. He jumped right in, said, hey, I'll tell you what, I've got a place you can rent from me, and um, we'll swing a deal. We'll get a price that, that we both can work with. So we assigned... Uh, several officers as undercovers uh, to work as Johns. And what we would do is rotate them in and out of the uh, room. And usually, you know, three, four hours a day, that kind of thing, and then call it and get out of there. We didn't want to stay all night. We didn't want to put ourselves in any kind of situation where um, it would put risk to the undercover, any of them. Right. We also yeah. assigned a person to act as a manager or pimp, if you would. Somebody that go onto the property, visit the undercover, and not have it look out of place. Pimps regularly keep track of their employees, so to speak. And we did that for safety reasons as well. Now explain real quick so everybody knows what a John is. John is a customer, normally referred to in the prostitution world. The name John is so synonymous with an anonymity that uh, nobody uses their real names anyway. So you just call them Johns. 
and uh, we got some people from out of town. There you go. And uh, people that were sworn law enforcement officers who maybe are undercover officers, maybe want to become an undercover officer. It's kind of a, a nice little training ground that you can get people involved in and um, see what their, their uh, capabilities are. And maybe we can use them down the road. They can not also identify whether or not it's really wanted to get into. So here we go. We've got our Johns. We've got our pimp. We've got our bad guy. And we've got a hotel. So we're all set to go. And the last thing that we pretty much had go. to do was, you know, we're, we're covering prices. Um, at the end of that particular day, the last John that went in, would assist with making sure that the uh, wireless mic was working and mm. get the undercover wired up so that when she went to pay the rent for the day on the room, it would be recorded for evidentiary purposes and as well as the serial numbers on the money we used. Um, all these things, we followed the guidelines from the state attorney's office to make sure that once we build the case, at least those uh, pieces of it were solid. So um, that John would help get them ready and would stand by for the undercover to return. And they would leave safely so that uh, nothing happened. And if it did, at least you'd have a uh, sworn uniform, well, not uniform, but sworn officer on site that could get to her. And was also monitoring the video and audio transaction. So as safe as it could be, it worked out pretty well. Now this guy was married and had family and all this stuff. They lived there at the hotel. Uh, oh boy. Chances of him, yeah, participating or wanting to participate, we thought would be slim because had this um, subjects significant other found out about it she probably would have beat the death so we thought that the safest situation was in our hands and we thought that, that would work out really good so the other piece of it too was staging our officers this location was on a major four-lane highway and um, four-lane divided highway the staging for this turned out to be across the street, across all four lanes of the highway, and it turned out to be a cemetery, um, which in some cases, you know, it's kind of frowned on to hang out and do things like that in cemeteries. Maybe it's not um, respectful in some ways. We weren't, yeah. eh, we weren't on top of anybody, so to speak. We were in an area that yeah. there were no remains or whatever you want to call it. no dead people hanging around um, we were in an area that wasn't being used for burial so um, you know it was going pretty well the problem came was there were a couple of nights that things ran late and certain situations came up where we were there at night now, i am not a fan of hanging out in cemeteries let alone at night I, I'm not going to just say that you know, 
I'm scared of ghosts or I don't believe or whatever. I just am just telling you, it just makes me uneasy. I just don't like doing that. There we are a few times at night trying to work this case, maintain, you know, some sense of integrity to it as far as I don't like practical jokes at night in a cemetery. This is it. I just don't care for spooky situations and um, they, they really get under my skin. So trying to keep these guys in line, plus them enjoying the investigation. I mean, this is a good investigation. I borrow you for a week, maybe two weeks from your department. You get paid to hang out in the cemetery and go fake like you're having sex with a prostitute and uh, make a case that you might get to testify on. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Right, that's a fun couple of weeks uh, off of your normal duties to go do something uh, extra fun. Exactly. And then you get to brag about it to your other, I mean, before you know it, I got people calling me, lining up, showing up at the office saying, hey, we're ready to volunteer. And it's like, I don't need nobody else. And you can tell your goofy friend that called you up and told you about it that he can stay home too. I mean. <laughs> yeah he's not supposed to talk about it and here he is telling everybody and now you're trying to get involved and right great you're doing your best to keep things confidential but the excitement sometimes in training new officers and training um even seasoned officers who've never done investigative work before it, it can be overwhelming at times they just love it they're just all about it they can't wait to go home and tell their people about it their friends whatever maybe their wife maybe they can get away with it so um, we're working the case. Everything's going good. We're rolling people in on a rotational basis. They're going in. They're spending about a half an hour there, and then they're, they're leaving. Um, and all the while, this guy, the uh, subject of the investigation, target investigation, he's watching. He's the kind of person that watches everything that goes on. And uh, he shows up one day in between John, knocks on the door. We have the room wired. And uh, again, for safety. And he's asking if he can participate, wants to know if he could trade some sexual favors in lieu of paying rent for the room. Even if we, it's absurd to even think that anybody can consider it, but you're going to, you know, you, you need the room, you need the money exchange for the charges. You know, we can't compromise that kind of thing, let alone the fact that. Thankfully, our undercover was sharp enough to tell him, look, man, this room ain't worth all that. I mean, I'm not giving it up for this. There's no way. And uh, she uh, professionally played it off as, you know, you don't want to mix business with pleasure, that kind of thing. We're business partners. you got a wife. I don't need her chasing me around the parking lot. I don't need that hassle. So um, that went away. He wasn't satisfied. A couple of nights later, he rolls up. He goes, hey, how about I trade you? Uh, how about I trade you some cocaine for sexual favors? Would that work? And thankfully, again, seasoned officer, seasoned undercover officer, sees the opportunity of a new charge, but she's not trading sexual favors for it. If I'll pay you cash right. for that cocaine, but I am not. We are not mixing business with pleasure. Let's get that squared away. And um, how much are we talking about? So we were able to uh, secure three different deliveries of powder cocaine uh, for cash. Again, the money was marked. The transaction is recorded. 
video recorded as well as audio. And off we go. We got extra cases now. Um, we finally get to a point that we feel like we have enough. Our attorney's happy with everything. Um, it goes really well. Um, we start lining up what else we would need for the charges that we were looking to pursue. You know, the uh, arriving proceeds from prostitution is one that we had hands down pretty well. Yep. He offered everything. We didn't have to even consider that there might be an issue of entrapment or anything. Everything was coming from him, uh, about him, and obviously something that he's done before and is somewhat prepositioned to uh, do again. So the charges are looking good. Our evidence is secured. Comes time to uh, make the bust. We secured a uh, search warrant for property and we're looking for in the search warrant you're thinking well how do you do a search warrant for nookie you're not doing a search warrant for sex you're doing a search warrant for potentially the money that may still be on the property that you had recorded the serial number you're going to do right. a search paper warrant. trails yeah paper trails you're gonna well somewhat of a paper trail i guess you're gonna look for uh, he had to get the cocaine from somewhere. Does he keep it on site or does he go get it and bring it? Uh, I have a feeling with his habit, he probably has some on site. So you're going to include that in your search warrant. And um, any other incriminating uh, documents that facilitated the crimes that were committed on site. So, yep. Because I was about to say, you might hopefully you put in there like some journals, logs, things like that, th records that he kept or this room was rented out to this prostitute and this prostitute here and this pimp reserved this room for a whole week, stuff like that. That would be good. Yes. Ledgers. Um, if there are any, um, this guy was not above not following any rules. And um, with the felony charges of delivery of cocaine and sale of cocaine, we, decided to pursue the possibility of seizing the hotel through the Forfeiture Act. So that process was begun. And the Forfeiture Act is a civil act. It's not criminal. So it's separate from the charges that we were building on the investigation. Mm -hmm. um, when we hit the office with search warrant, uh, immediately the, the wife of the owner probably had a preconceived notion that he was doing something illegal or was caught doing something illegal again. Uh, she did not seem surprised by it at all. And, um, you know, we had uh, children that were staying there as well. So family services was called to evaluate the situation, see what needed to be done in that avenue. We think that possibly the wife knew but being able to prove it's another thing. And we also did not want to break up a family, disrupt, you know, kids' lives, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, everything was handled in a uh, professional manner with the amount of respect given toward anyone who uh, is charged, uh, but not considered guilty unless found guilty in the court of law, presumed innocent until then. So we had that handled. 
the search warrant went down well. We found uh, plenty of evidence of the cocaine that he was keeping it on site. He was uh, also a convicted felon from before, and there was a firearm on site. So we were able to add that to the charge. Um, nice. Yeah. Good case. It, everything went as according to planned. No hiccups along the way, other than the whole deal of hanging out in a cemetery at night. That just, that really rubbed me the wrong way. That, that, was, uh, that was tough to do. But uh, at least it wasn't for a long time, and we didn't get complained on, and nobody had any close encounters kind of thing going on. But uh, he went to jail. <laughs> yeah. He went to jail. And um, given the climate of society these days, it wasn't long before he bonded out. We proceeded with the forfeiture of the hotel in which my, uh, my chief was like, I should have known that this would end up being part of your deal. Um, I said, I'm <laughs> glad you thought it because I really you know, hadn't thought about that part of it. I thought we were just going to make a good case and um, cause the guy some indigestion through the criminal system and maybe some fines. That'd be it. I didn't know that it would be uh, enough of a strong case to make civil forfeiture out of the hotel. We ended up not getting the hotel. There were so many liens against it from unpaid mm. bills as well as the mortgage on it itself, uh, the condition of the hotel versus what, if we could seize it, pay off all the other creditors, would we make any you know, impact on that? And the answer was no. So even though we threatened uh, and he thought he was going to lose it, it probably was a favor to him if we had taken it because then he'd be absolved of all that bill, all them bills. But uh, no, ended up giving it back to him. Here you go, with all your debts that go with it. Yeah. Thank you for your time. So it was a good case and um, a lot of success in it. I think the biggest takeaway was I love teaching. I love the teaching part of it, grooming officers and detectives on how to work safely and to think of all as many opportunities as you can uh, when you're working an investigation you're only limited to your imagination and of course the law but um, right. there's a lot of law out there that you can you can follow through with so i enjoyed that part of it and i enjoyed uh, seeing the growth i enjoyed actually watching them have fun and you know, even the goofing off and things like that. As long as we were being safe, I mean, that's that's part of the job. That's that's what makes you want to do what you do. So yeah, that's awesome. That sounds like a really good case. It's too bad that the motel wasn't a little bit more lucrative, so you could have seized the whole thing because that's pretty that's pretty crazy. Um, I've seized cars before, and I've seized interesting things before but it's uh never never a whole building never a whole motel but that that was still cool i mean you had the opportunity if they wasn't in such debt yeah i mean it would have made a great substation it could have been something yeah. the community would have been proud to have like oh wow okay that place used to be an eyesore now it's a you know community substation uh, yeah those always work over well so yeah man well that's awesome uh do you know how much time he ended up did he have to serve any and if he did how much 
it was a deal where um, you know it never made it to trial. There was a plea bargain in place. I think mm-hmm. the uh, plea bargain ended up calling for five years in um, state prison. And at the time, I think for that those crimes, we were able to prove that was within a thousand feet of a church and i think the law says a church a school one other thing if it's if it's within a thousand feet the sale or delivery of of cocaine or in a felony situation like that is a minimum mandatory of three years so he ended up saving three out of the five and then and then got out so uh, his mom or his wife and probably another member of his family from the last name from the country he was from that wasn't working at the convenience store that day probably took over the hotel for him gotcha <laughs> yep try that sounds about right yeah not to try to give anything away but you know hey if you're not working at the convenience store today come down here and run my hotel right <laughs> out for this one that's coming in <laughs> Oh man, that's yep. that was a good one. Yeah, it was. It it was fun to do. Like I said, it, it seeing the growth and being able to do, uh, work with other officers and potentially um, comb them for potential cases down the road. You know, then you kind of see what kind of officers they are, what kind of detectives they would make. Would they do, do they hold themselves together? And uh, so anyway, there you go. Yeah, so good training for officers to eventually make their way into the detective uh, section and then a good case all together. And then uh, some of the officers found out that you don't like cemeteries. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're constantly <laughs> picking at me and, you know, sneaking up behind me, dropping stuff on me from trees, all this stuff. So, yeah, it turned <laughs> out good. They were stupid, though, because they forgot that I was carrying a loaded gun. So, hey, well, yeah. I'm not afraid to throw throw lead at a ghost. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. All right, well, hey, if uh, if anybody has questions or anybody has any kind of uh, comments or anything like that, you can leave it. Uh, depending on what you're watching on, you can leave it on there, or you could even go to our Facebook page because we post everything there. Uh, our Facebook page is. Uh, criminal motives behind the crime scene tape. We also have an Instagram and uh, we have an email contact at criminalmotives.com, criminalmotive.com. And so if you want to say something or you want to ask a question or if there's something that you would like to hear us talk about too, then we can do that. Uh, Fan submissions are definitely appreciated and welcome. And I think that's pretty much it. That's all I got. You got anything yeah, else? You, um, nah, and if you want one of us to join you on something you're working on, uh, we're happy to do it. Ooh. If you're yeah. in law enforcement and you'd like some ideas about things, um, we're welcome. I mean, brainstorming is a great way to put a case together and put a strategy together. So let us know if there's any of that we can do for you as well. We're happy to do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if there's anything that, if you're not law enforcement, there's anything that you wanted to hear us talk about, uh, shoot that over. And then if you are law enforcement, if there's something that you're working on without giving away all the details, of course, we could talk about it and uh, work something out. So send us an email, 
I'll put that in the uh, show notes or the little description. And if, if not, then you can go on Facebook or Instagram or um, whatever platform you're listening to. We check all those comments and stuff like that. So yeah, get, drop us a line. Tell a friend, phone a friend. Yeah, there you go. All right. All right I have a cat right next to me. So you probably saw her tail wagging in my face. All right. Well, until next time. Okay, buddy. Well, there you go. Another great case in the books. Be sure and tune in next week when we unpack a new one. And I hope you have a good week. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you haven't already, go subscribe to our show. And if you liked it, maybe go get a buddy or two to go subscribe to it as well. Give us a like, a comment, a rating, whatever it is that you're watching this on. And make sure to give us some feedback because we want to make sure that we're doing the absolute best we can for our audience. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time on Criminal Motives Behind the Crime Scene Tape.